Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you this week from Scottsdale, Arizona. And I'm Christina Darnell in for Natasha Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. We'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Each week, Ministry Watch brings you news about Christian ministries, as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, news that we examine from a Christian worldview perspective. And our goal is to help us become better stewards of the resources that God has entrusted to us. On today's program, the oldest denomination in America is struggling with LGBTQ issues, and Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church pays back its payroll protection program, PPP, loans. We begin today with the final report of a sexual abuse investigation of Pastor John Ortberg's Menlo Park Church. The investigation found no evidence of wrongdoing. A third-party investigation at one of Northern California's most prominent megachurches that consumed its congregation and former pastor's fractious family ended this week with a report that there was no evidence that John Ortberg's adult son had acted on his confessed attraction to minors. That investigation was conducted by the Zero Abuse Project. Uh, Its report read, in part, after interviewing 104 witnesses and reviewing or analyzing more than 500,000 documents, Zero Abuse Project did not find any disclosure or other direct evidence that the volunteer in question sexually abused a child. Uh, The report was from a firm hired by Menlo Church, which, as I said, is near San Francisco, to study its handling of that confession by John Ortberg's son to John Ortberg himself. So in 2018, one of Pastor John Ortberg's offspring, his son, referred to only as Individual A in the report, um, but it was identified in earlier news reports as Johnny Ortberg. Uh, He confessed to having long been sexually attracted to children. Now, John Ortberg is a best-selling author who played a role in exposing misconduct by former Willow Creek pastor Bill Hybels. He did not report the confession of his son to him to church staff or other leaders, nor did he remove individual A from volunteering with children at the church or insist that the volunteers stop coaching a youth sports team. The matter remained secret until another Ortberg family member, it was Daniel Lavery, informed the church leaders. Yeah, the pastor was suspended in late 2019, but he was allowed to return. The congregation, though, was not told about the family connection between individual A and their pastor until later. Ortberg ultimately resigned in the summer of 2020. We reported on that here at Ministry Watch. Well, and interestingly, the review by Zero Abuse did uncover an unrelated incident of sexual misconduct by another staff member at Menlo during that review. Yeah, the church learned that a staff member had allegedly solicited nude photos from a teenage boy while serving on staff at another church. Uh, Zero Abuse advised and assisted Menlo in reporting that case to authorities. Uh, Menlo did terminate that individual's employment and communicated the case uh, to its community and to the public. Church leaders plan to hold an open house this Sunday, October 17th, to discuss the report. They also apologized for how church leaders acted. 
Warren, our next story involves Joel Osteen's church over in Houston, Texas. Yes, celebrity pastor Joel Osteen's Houston church, which is called Lakewood Church, will repay more than $4.4 million in loans that it received under the government's Paycheck Protection Program uh, after critics question whether the nation's largest single-campus church actually qualified for help under the COVID-19 relief program. The Houston Chronicle reports that Lakewood's bank said the church has made payments on that loan, but they didn't specify whether it had been repaid in full or just in part. Yeah, Lakewood Church's PPP loan was originated by Bank of America in late July of 2020, according to the Small Business Administration data, which was released and made available to the public. Lakewood spokesman Donald Iloff told the Houston Business Journal in December of 2020 that the loan was used to provide full salaries and benefits, including health coverage, to its employees and their families, around 370 people. Warren, moving on, there's also been a new development with the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah, the longtime general counsel for the SBC has decided to cut ties with the nation's largest Protestant denomination. The decision came after members of the SBC's Nashville-based executive committee decided to waive attorney-client privilege as part of a sexual abuse investigation. That decision means that records of conversations on legal matters among the executive committee members and staff would no longer be confidential. And that decision made it impossible for the denomination's legal counsel to continue its role. And at least that's what attorneys James Gunther and James Jordan of Gunther, Jordan & Price said. Yeah, the firm had represented the SBC for more than 50 years on more than 50 cases. Let's go ahead and look at one more story before the break. It's the story of yet another historic Christian denomination that has been ripped apart by the LGBTQ activism. Yeah, this week, North America's oldest denomination will confront its gridlock over LGBTQ ordination and same-sex marriage. Uh, Votes that will be cast in Tucson, Arizona at the Reformed Church in America's annual synod have been delayed for 16 months due to the pandemic, but they'll happen this week and they will chart the course for that already splintering denomination. In past years, conservative factions have already broken ties with the RCA. They have, and while you certainly can't blame the conservative churches for leaving a denomination that that it can no longer support, the net effect is that the conservative voice within the RCA has become weaker, making it easier for progressives to ram through their positions. Delegates to this synod, the synod, by the way, starts today, Christina, as you and I are recording this on a Thursday, will continue through next Tuesday, and they'll determine how the denomination might structure to encourage congregations to stay if the church will establish an external missions organization and whether departing congregations can plan on taking their church buildings with them. Now, the RCA is a historically Dutch Reformed denomination, and it dates back to the 1620s when New York was known as New Amsterdam. Today, the RCA has fewer than 200,000 members and 1,000 churches. And while in theory, RCA churches are united by their polity, history, and Reformed convictions, 
they actually hold a range of political and theological beliefs. Yeah, they do. In fact, regular podcast listeners might have heard my conversation with this week with Dr. Gerardo Marty. We discussed Robert Schuller's Crystal Cathedral Church, which for many years was the largest church in the RCA denomination. Warren, at the top of this story, you mentioned that LGBTQ activists and allies have been causing controversy in other churches as well. Yeah, the RCA isn't the only Protestant denomination facing division over views about sexuality. Next year, the United Methodist Church is expected to vote on a proposal to split that denomination over whether to accept openly LGBTQ persons as members and as ordained clergy. And the RCA's sister denomination, the Christian Reformed Church, will grapple with its contention human sexuality report at its own synod. We've had stories recently, Christina, about how the Episcopal Church and the United Church of Christ, two historic and formerly large and influential denominations, have gone into significant decline while succumbing to LGBTQ-affirming policies. You can find those stories on the Ministry Watch website, and we'll have more to say about the Episcopal Church later in the program. Warren, we need to take a break, but when we return, a development in the Josh Duggar child pornography case. I'm Christina Darnell, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and we'll be back after this short break. Hello everyone, I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Christina Darnell in for Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Up next, an update on the Josh Duggar case. Yeah, a federal judge has denied motions seeking to dismiss child pornography charges against Josh Duggar, the famous former reality TV star, U.S. District Judge Timothy Brooks on Monday also denied motions to suppress all statements that Duggar made to investigators and photos that were taken of Duggar after he was taken into custody. Uh, That, according to the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Duggar, who appeared for a number of years in TLC's 19 Kids and Counting, was charged back in April with two counts of downloading and possessing child pornography. He's accused of using the internet in May 2019 to download and possess that material, some of which depicts the sexual abuse of children younger than the age of 12, according to the court documents. Duggar has pleaded not guilty. Uh, He faces up to 20 years in prison and fines up to $250,000 on each count if he's convicted. So what happens next? Well, Josh Duggar now goes on trial now that these motions to dismiss have been denied, and Judge Brooks has set the jury trial to begin on November 30th. 
Warren, we'd like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. So what do you have first? Well, we have an interesting story about a man named James Lawrence. He has long sought to work at the intersection of technology and faith, uh, engineering software and developing innovative new products, even if clients weren't always ready to make the leap themselves. Working with a man named Matt Hayes, a business partner that he met while the two were serving as Young Life volunteers in San Diego. They launched an organization called MoGive back in 2008. It was a donor platform that um, offered the first, what's the first product to help churches and ministries accept donations through mobile phones. And in 2016, MoGive was sold to Ministry Brands, a Tennessee company that operates two dozen software platforms serving 90,000 churches paving the way for his latest venture. Yeah, when they made that uh, sale of that company, MoGive, he was about 30 years old, and he said that he was looking around and wondered, what am I supposed to do now? And the answer to that was in Given. It's a cryptocurrency donation management platform that Lawrence and Hayes formed in 2018. Yeah, the use of cryptocurrency, such as Bitcoin, has exploded in recent years. And what began with about 40 ministries has now become 1,000 clients, or at least that's what they expect by the end of this year. Their roster of churches and charities, both religious and secular, includes major groups such as the Salvation Army, Compassion International, and the March of Dimes. And it was a particular transaction that caught your attention. Yeah, on October 4th, really, you know, not very long ago, just a couple week, 10 days ago, uh, the company announced that it had facilitated a $10 million Bitcoin donation to a Christian ministry. And they said that it was the largest Bitcoin donation that was known, at least up until now. The donor was a devout older man who, like Lawrence himself, started investing in cryptocurrency about a decade ago when Bitcoin could be had for around $100. Now, a single Bitcoin is worth about $50,000. So Lawrence, in given CEO, says that the size of the gift and the age of the donor shows that cryptocurrency is much more than a flash-in-the-pan trend favored by millennials and that sophisticated philanthropists are increasingly using these new currencies. Our next story involves one of those denominations you mentioned earlier in the podcast that has seen sharp decline because of LGBTQ activists and allies. Yeah, it's the Episcopal Church. I promised we would have a little bit more about them uh, later in the program, and now we do. The Episcopal Church took a major hit in both membership and attendance in 2020. Um, and it also, and this is what was most unusual perhaps, got hit in the pocketbook. This has been a historically affluent denomination. Statistics released just last week by the Office of the General Convention of the Episcopal Church shows that domestic membership dropped by 61,000 people to about 1.5 million. That's a 4% drop in just a single year. 4% in a single year is significant. Yeah, it, it is. And what really caught my attention, though, Christina, is that the average Sunday attendance fell by much more than that, about 12% to around 460,000. In other words, for the first time in probably more than a century, the Episcopal Church has less than a half million people attending church on any given Sunday. I've been following these numbers literally for decades, and I can't think of a single year decline that was this great. 
Well, and the finances of the church are declining. Yeah, that's right. And again, very significant. One of the things that you could always say about the Episcopal Church over the last few decades, even though its membership was declining, it had plenty of money. Uh, Its members tended to be older and wealthier than the rest of the country. But in a first, the church's giving metric, known as plate and pledge, dropped $59 million last year. And the other metrics were just as bad. Yeah, between 2019 and 2020, weddings fell about 46%, down to about 3,500 weddings. Now, COVID was responsible for some of that decline, I want to be clear. Uh, Children's baptisms, though, were down 67%. Adult baptisms dropped about 57%. And who do you have in the Ministries Making a Difference column this week? Well, first, Christina, thanks to you for your work with this column week after week. I never failed to learn something new about the good work that Christian ministries are doing around the world. And this week, you feature Voice of the Martyrs, which, of course, is a well-known ministry and a ministry that I'd never heard of before called Risen Motherhood. It's a media ministry that exists to encourage, equip, and challenge moms to apply the gospel to their everyday everyday lives. It launched a podcast miniseries this Wednesday focused on thinking critically about a really important topic, and that's social media. Also, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association made your column again this week. They published a digital guide, How to Pray for Law Enforcement. It's a four-page guide that includes scripture and directives on prayer, along with specific requests for officers and families. By the way, we've got a link to that guide in your column. Any final thoughts before we go? Well, just a reminder that there's a quick, easy, and free way that you can support this podcast, and that is simply to give us a rating on your podcast app. The more ratings we get, the more attention we get from search engines, and that helps new listeners to find us. And by the way, when you give us a rating, leave us a comment as well. I love to read those comments. I'll read them all. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Steve Gandy. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen DuBerry, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Ann Stike, Kim Roberts, Steve Raby, Bob Smetana, Jeffrey Walton, and Catherine Post. A special thanks to the blog Juicy Ecumenism for contributing material for this week's program. I'm Christina Darnell, in for Natasha Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Warren Smith coming to you this week from Scottsdale, Arizona. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.